1: Hey guys and welcome to personality bingo with me your host Tom Warren So this week on the podcast we have Avian McCann Avian is an actor, a voiceover artist And also the founder of uh, the co-founder of Red Bear Productions Alongside Tracy Martin uh, Avian's currently starring in Assassins at the Gate Theatre I was lucky enough to see it And I have to say Avian is phenomenal in it The show is great uh, But Avian and uh, former guest of the show Kate Gilmore Have a few scenes that really stood out to me uh, And just seeing as she's the guest in the show I wanted to tell you If you're him on about getting in to see it Avian in and of herself is a great reason to go and see it There's also some deadly deals Go in and check out Assassins at the Gate I think it runs till June 8th Or something along those lines So you've got another time A bit of time to go and see it And I really recommend uh, you do As I said Avian co-founded Red Bear Productions With Tracy Martin Who's uh, an exceptional writer I was lucky enough to see A piece that Avian acted in And Tracy would have written Called Harder Faster More Uh, Also starred former guest of the show Claire Munley And it was just a deadly deadly show Uh, I loved it Uh, I think you guys would have loved it too Um, But keep an eye on what Red Bear are doing Go find them on all their social media And make sure you like And subscribe and all that stuff So you can see what they're doing because um, they're really worth um, keeping in touch with because their work has been deadly, in my experience. Um other than that, uh, we have a Deadly episode coming out next week uh, Deadly is the word of the day apparently But uh, it really is uh, Paddy Murphy um, sat down with me Just before Avian actually And um, we did a, a Deadly episode uh, Kind of very different to this Which is always so nice when you can get a bit of variation uh, And I think you'll really enjoy that too So guys, look, enough waffling I have no major news to keep you in the loop about. Uh, as always, if you can uh, let us know that you're listening At More 93 on Twitter uh, Avian's on Twitter too And at Personal Bingo as well Go and let us know uh, We are also on Facebook At Personality Bingo with Tom Morn as always if you're not already subscribed and Edivine brought you here that's absolutely deadly thank you so much for listening if you want to hear more of the episodes we have some brilliant ones whether it be from like film and TV makers uh, theatre makers whatever it might be we've, we've got loads of stuff loads of comedians all that good stuff uh, hit subscribe because that makes a big difference to us in the charts and um, we don't have the funding to push this podcast like other ones do uh, yeah I think our content is really worth uh, paying attention to so if you want to pass it on to someone and um, that would mean the world because uh, you know it's, uh, we, I love doing this but uh, I also love when people get to hear it because That's the whole point, and uh, you are a great uh, facility in making that happen. So, thanks a million, as always, for listening. It's always uh, appreciated. So, guys, enough of me. Please enjoy the wonderful Avian McCann playing personality bingo with Tom Moran. Avian McCann ready to play personality bingo? Woohoo! Alright, love it. So a quick explainer of how it all works. So I've got 60 balls in here. going to put 60 minutes on the clock. Uh, I've also given five numbers in front of you. Would you do me a favour and read out the five numbers you have there?
0: Okay, the five numbers I have are 2, 49, 51, 37 and 24.
1: Amazing. Would you do me a favour and pick a sixth one that's uh, between 1 and 60 that's not already there?
0: Uh, Seven.
1: Oh, very decisive. Any reason?
0: I don't know, it just keeps popping up. Yeah, okay, I sweet. I saw the, p- the page and I saw the empty box and I thought seven fits in there. Yeah, nice,
1: I love it. Okay, and I should say that if all six of them numbers do come out, that means that the tables are turned and you get to ask me any single question in the whole wide world and I will nice. give you a completely honest answer. So uh, will we give it a spin? Please. Let's do it. Okay, first one out the gate, we have number 13, Unlucky and Bingo, allegedly. Do you have it? No. Okay, no worries. Number 13. The <laughs> question is, um, oh, interesting way to start. What are your thoughts on the Me Too movement?
0: Oh, God. Um, I say, oh, God, as if I have negative feelings. Mm-hmm. And of course I have negative feelings because it's an unfortunate we even have to have a movement like that. But how do I feel about it? Um, I had a conversation recently with a male actor who would be, if he's not quite well known, he will be. His name is uh, Bobby Cisse. And he was nominated for a BAFTA last year, so he's like doing well, you know. So he's he's got friends who are in different uh, rungs of the ladder, if you, if you know what I mean, in in the acting world, both in theatre but predominantly in film, where it was where it pretty much this movement was born. And we chatted for a while, and he was saying like just how difficult it was for families of people who have been accused of things, people we don't even hear about in the press, you know. It's kind of creeping in. And my argument back to him was. I understand that the difficulty is for family members who maybe didn't even know that side of their loved one. It's just so devastating. And it's difficult for those people's careers and their homes and everything are at stake. But unfortunately, a really, really difficult period of time must pass before any change is needed. And and it sounds sort of a bit macabre to say people have to be hurt. But unfortunately, they really do because there's a lot of shit that happened for a long, long time. And even as an actor now, a female actor, I do feel a change ever so slightly for me because I've never been directly affected by anything in that realm, really. But then if I think about it, just being a woman in this industry, you do you are subconsciously aware of that fact and how you're treated. And, you know, I worked on Vikings there um, at the end of last year and. You sound like I'm about to tell you something really gritty. I'm not. They just treat, there's a real, there's an acute awareness of how to treat people on that set because there's a lot at stake. And if someone even slightly crosses the line, fortunately and rightly so, I feel like there are a lot of people around that are just sort of, they rise up a little bit to say, that's not appropriate. Let's have a second. Let's move on. Because... It's built in to so many people's vocabulary to talk to women and men in a really inappropriate way in the workplace. And because of what we do, it's because of what we do, we tend to have to share a lot Mm. to get to a place, whether that's discovering a character or talking about a script and then making references to your own life. So you are sharing a little more than perhaps you would do if you were in um, a classroom. And that means I think people feel like they have a little bit more leeway to get even closer to you or a little bit inappropriate or a lot inappropriate. So it's great that we have started to recognise it's it's actually a huge relief for me um personally and for everyone around me I feel to recognise that we need to just check ourselves before we we do something stupid mm. and and hurtful and uh scar and, and scar people, you know? I don't think we always realise what we do to people on a daily basis you know sometimes we carry around a bit of anger and i dare i say it, i've met men god i've met men yeah i've met men in in jobs outside of acting in acting who have this unawareness or is that even a word unawareness mm-hmm. of their misogyny yeah and it is unbelievable <laughs> you're just like are you for real? Like I recently dealt with a man. He's not directly in the in the uh industry. You could say he's not a director or a producer or anything like that, but he does work with actors. Um, I have to be careful. Hmm. But he said something about, God, it's hard to tell you about the story without being really clear about who it is. Mm. It's a person who deals with guns, basically. So that could be any of the array of jobs I've done recently, whether it's assassins at the moment or Vikings or you know, somebody in an armory. And they basically went, well, a woman will have to. This is not great for women because this particular gun, because you have to use both hands. To, women will have to use both hands to squeeze this gun to make it work. And all the men, fortunately, all the men in the room looked around and were like, I know the women in this room are going to be more than capable. And that sounds really petty. Mm. But the fact is, he said it so flippantly and so easily. And he didn't even notice that there were different kinds of women in the room, different kinds of men in the room. Some of the men will have to use both their hands. And I just had a moment to go, absolutely no clue that he is. And that happened a few times in different ways. And it made me realize that he's just not on that wavelength. And it was a real it was a real triumph to see how the men in the room that i had to work with actually work with had, had a, a greater awareness of how misogynistic all of his all those little statements were mm-hmm. that was good and i don't know if that would have been as acknowledged if we weren't talking about things that me too have pointed out you know
1: yeah i don't think so i think that's been yeah, one I'm of the things sorry tom <laughs> no that hey that, this is this is for you i mean that's one of the things for me as like um you know and and it's interesting it's inter- i think it's interesting being like uh, a young man in mm. it because a, a lot and not all absolutely not all but like a lot of the 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 things that this movement is reacting to is like um, frankly like a different generation but absolutely that's going to inform how my generation yeah. of men grow up in the world and it's really interesting because sometimes I, and even like socially I'll be interacting with women and I'll just catch myself being like hold on li- like little things like yeah. really small things and mm. you're like and then there's there's two parts of your brain. There's one part that goes, ah, oh, isn't it a shame that you have to think about this stuff now? And then the other part goes, well, no, because as you said, like if if it's just a little like catch yourself moment, if that's all you have to sacrifice mm. to then prevent like really bad stuff like sexual assault or rape yeah. or something worse down mm. the line. I mean, it, hey, that's it's a tiny price. It's slippery,
0: slippery slope, you know. It's a really slippery slope, and I have unfortunately have a number of friends who have genuinely been terrorized by men you know on the street and dare I say it I don't notice it as much here in Ireland but When I lived in London uh, you know quite regularly you'd get comments thrown at you and then when I was in New York a few times you know it's just a different another different culture shock when you, you have to sort of not get used to it you don't have to get used to anything if you don't want to but there's definitely a feeling where there's a little more of you feel a little more objectified in certain environments, and then there's the next the next argument. I can hear it already. Is that but how do men and women, straight men and women, communicate with each other in that in that realm? And how do they communicate that they they are interested in the other person and stuff? There are other ways, and I actually think it makes for a much more he- much healthier relationship mm. <laughs> if you're not you know leering at someone. And I also kind of feel sorry for a lot of a lot of guys, God, I'm going to be shot for saying that. The only reason I say that is because I'm reading a book at the moment. and nearly finished listening to a book actually called uh, Daring Greatly by Brené Brown. Um, if I'm completely honest with you. The voiceover is doing my head in on it. But, <laughs> but it's a brilliant book and it's a little bit repetitive in places just to warn people. But it's so worth reading or listening to, especially the chapters on men and the chapter on parenting. They're the ones that have really hit me most because I think I had an awareness of what she was trying to talk about before I read the book anyway so these are the more sort of insightful chapters for me the men one actually had me quite tearful mm. because I have five brothers mm. a dad all living all have relations we all have relationships with each other so they're not a stranger or anything I'm, I'm I have weekly contact with these people and I, I've been in love with men and I love men and I have male friends and it was talking about the fact that these, one of the most memorable paragraphs is that Brandy Brown talks about how she was doing a book signing and this man approached her and he looked kind of unsettled or something. She was aware of him in the periphery and this woman and her daughter came up and she signed the books. So and it turns out he was with them. And his... This man's wife, who had just had a book signed, said, you know, let's go, let's go. you have to leave. And he said, no, no, I want to wait. And of course, Brandy Brown was sitting at the table. Like, I'm. This is ad-libbing. Mm. I'm ad- ad-libbing the shit out of this. Mm. So she goes um, um she kind of he, he came up closer to the table and she realized I have to acknowledge this person. And he said, hi. And he said, do you ever do you ever study women or sorry, excuse me, men's uh, vulnerability? Because it's all about vulnerability and uh, the power of vulnerability and being basically you know, living a realer life and and um, she said funnily enough I don't really study men as much as I, I study women because it's qualitative study so it's interviews and a lot of that kind of work but it's very precise and she's mad about numbers so it's it's a very trustworthy piece of work mm. but she's talking mostly women because they're more likely to talk about it and he just went you know what those two women my daughter and my wife they had those books signed and they have all your work and they're big fans of vulnerability, but they're the first people, they were the first people to kick me when I fall off my white horse. They do not want me to see me fall off my white horse, meaning that they don't want to see me vulnerable, they don't want to see me weak. I, despite how much they want to celebrate vulnerability and the power of vulnerability, they don't want to see me broken because, in their eyes, I'm the man and I have to be strong. And it made me really like I'm sound like such a, <laughs> I mean even talking about it now I realised, Jesus, yeah I know I treat my dad in a certain way and what I guess coming around to the argument of me too is that it's um important for us to help people learn about themselves and what they do, and not in a way obviously if someone does something really really ridiculously out of line you've got to treat that as a criminal offense mm-hmm. uh, or at least you know treat it in that manner but there are subtleties that we can deal with without berating someone and make them see how and I'm guilty of being the most defensive feminist where if someone says something that is really un- inappropriate I will I can feel my blood boil I'm trying to recently see that I need to work with people on on that language, because I'm learning all the time, too, about my own bias as a white feminist. You know, I have my own bias that isn't as fair as I thought it was, you know, mm. because I have privilege that more than another, femi- another feminist who might happen to be mixed race or biracial or you know, uh, not necessarily an Irish citizen yet, Mm -hmm. and all those kind of things. Yeah. um, We're guilty of our own bias constantly.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, the thing about, like, the vulnerability within men, because, I mean, like, I think, you know, long after, and and I mean, this is... Because on on the list of, like, priorities, this should be down. It absolutely should be, like, because women have been the victims of this behaviour perpetrated by men. But, like, and and once we, we... keep learning and getting a hand and keep improving Mm. but like there's obviously just like a society of fucking broken 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 men that are doing this because men aren't inherently bad obviously and no one really thinks that Uh but like they're behaving really badly and like to look at why like it's really interesting i didn't know where that story was going to go about that that man who was sitting there and it's really interesting that his wife and his, 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 his daughter, I mean, that's, that's really sad that he yeah. feels like he can't. Yeah. But it is so funny, like, if you think about, like, anyone who's listening now in your headphones, like, think about, like, your dad and think about him crying. Like, can you think of an occasion? Can you think of two? Can you think of, like, it was when someone died? I, I'd be really surprised if anyone can think of, like, more than ten. I'd be really, like, interested if you can. I think yeah. that would be beautiful. But, like, yeah. m- like, men don't do that, you know? Yeah. And,
0: and and we have this real habit of, of, of going to science. You know, that that, that thing, well, you know, scientifically... Uh, women are they stay in the cave the men go out and hunt I don't know why So all of a sudden that person is from slightly from Dublin <laughs> slightly from Dundalk um, they that really makes me uncomfortable when people make references to science, because science—I'm afraid to say—has been written by men for a long, long, long time. Okay. So within science, it's, there are bi- there is bias, mm. and that is a, something that, like I say, that with such authority. But you know, there's enough work being done on that as in alone the bias of science, to say that women are not the hunters, um, and you know, as a woman who wants to be proactive consistently proactive and I wouldn't want to be at home all the time and yeah I imagine if I was ever lucky enough to have a child and give birth to someone i would probably the hormones would kick in and i would find nesting my priority for a while but i'm certainly an adventure an adventurer so i don't think it would be there's this thing of oh look you know like i'm sure my dad's guilty of it too women you know they breastfeed and they do that and i'm like well it's sort of disenfranchising men as well from that role and that that family life because men who have um Studies have shown that men and women who are in long term relationships, despite the work that has to go into them, they're actually happier than people who are not. Mm. So family life is good for people. Relationships are good for people. So the idea that a man must jump from one woman to the other. We're talking about straight men here, obviously, but, you know, because I, um, I can't speak on behalf of the queer community. But like, you know, the argument that's made to me as a straight woman is that um men jump from one woman to the other and I sure look at that's just how it is. And then you realise I think those guys some of those guys are not happy that they they keep doing that. And it is robbing from them as they go along because there are all some of those guys, I'm not speaking for all of them, definitely some of them who are friends, brothers of mine, find it exhausting to maintain this young boy oh about to- about town, you know, and actually when they sit with themselves want to be a little more settled than that. Mm -hmm. So the the, the stereotype doesn't sit with everyone and it shouldn't because it sounds really exhausting and then women having to and the the very base version of that stereotype is that they stay in the house and they raise the kid until it's a certain age and that's why women aren't interested in in men in the same way men are interested in women but uh, again that's bullshit because I don't believe that that's truthful for me all the time. And I certainly don't think it's the truth for a lot of women. And it just and then you go into gender, mm. you know. So um, looking at my nieces and nephews who are like toddlers, some of them, and they're all cool little people who I uh, what I'm realizing more than anything is that they you are born with a personality, I think. Mm-hmm. So despite the argument that your environment dictates who you become, there's no question at one year's of age, like that. my ne- nephew, Dahi, and his sister, Reena, like completely different human beings. You couldn't. She is actually, if you wanted to apply a stereotype, she's the boy and he's the girl. Yeah. And like his mom and and their mom and dad, like my sister and all my brother will, will say, yeah, because she's the boisterous one. She's the one who has no fear. She will climb to the top. She has climbed onto sideboards at one and a half and jumped off them Mm. just for the crack Mm -hmm. whereas dahi would be the one fretting about the uh, the fact that she was on the sideboard so there's this whole concept of you know and it's just it's it's i'd say it's, it's a difficult time it's always been a difficult time to raise kids but when it comes to gender and identity and 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 that area to to acknowledge their personality not be too stuck on on being gender neutral where it becomes a problem because unfortunately the world hasn't caught up yet mm. i don't i wouldn't even know where to begin. i'm talking about it i don't even know where to begin like what would it must feel like to give birth to some someone and then have to go right jesus christ i'm in this world now what am i going to do to safeguard your health mental health basically is what we're doing is it some,
1: is that something that you want do you think in your life
0: um like a kid yeah yeah, eventually. Like I'm, like I'm in my thirties now, which I I don't say very lightly because I did interviews last year where they're asking my age. So I am technically, you know, when you when you're past twenty five, someone will say, "Jesus, you know, biological clock." Again, I want to say f off to that person. Like Jesus, just going. Well, I'm one of eight kids, and my mother had her last kid when she was in her late thirties, mm. like nearly forty. And I have a load of time to really sit down with that. I I actually have to be honest, like I think in the last two years, not recently, but maybe a year or two ago, I had what was a little bit of a panic because I felt, Jesus, I I do this job, this acting job, which is so unpredictable and I love it and I won't change it for the world. But how do I have a kid? Um, What do I do? Oh, God, how would I raise it? Where would I raise it? You know, because the f- because the because our job changes so quickly. And, you know, in a day you could be invited to go to Prague, which has just happened to a friend of mine next week. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have to weigh it up. I've just gone, I don't care anymore. I actually genuinely don't worry about it now. Where I used to, which is really interesting, because you think as you got older, it would be become a bigger, bigger elephant in the room. But the elephant has just become like a little kitten in the corner. And I don't really mind as much because... I'm looking at the world as a bigger in, as a bigger picture and it's not the end of the world if I don't have a kid. Mm. But if I do, it would be wonderful, I think. Yeah. I'm, see, I say that because I'm not as stuck on it now. Yeah. Whereas I really was, but I've p- picked it apart and realized a huge amount of that was pressure from um, the uh, society we're in. And also, when you're one of eight children and you're the second of eight and you're the eldest girl, uh, it's steps and stairs you do take on like a motherly role my mother will tell tell you that that i definitely was like a like a little manager m- mum person you know at age three and a half mm. there were a number of kids younger than me which is crazy <laughs> when you think about it yeah. but it meant that i grew up with that as an identity part of a huge identity as a woman and i i look up to my mom in so many different ways and she also happens to be the mother of a lot of people and I guess I've realized, wow, of course, I feel like I should be having children. But my siblings are doing that. So it's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I as an actor, it's a little bit it's it's maybe we're being a little bit um, self-righteous to say it's different for actors, you know, but it is kind of different because we don't get salaries for the most part. And we don't have the same relationship with the bank and we don't have the same same relationship with social welfare. And it's all a little bit a bit discombobulated so to have a normal life quote-unquote yes you you have to uh that's what you almost you'd want for a little person coming into the world is a a decent bit of you know some consistency so most actors are like oh god i don't know if i have that for myself Mm. so there is a lot at stake when you if you want to have a kid i think yeah um but loads of really amazing people who happen to work in this industry are doing a really good job of being parents and I would say they're some of my favourite parents you know yeah 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 yeah. so there you go there's a big answer (laughs) that was
1: great let's give it a spin you guys sometimes just forget like that we have the feckin bingo machine you know what I mean oh yeah okay number 49 do you have it I do. Oh, well done. Woohoo! Sweet. Okay. Do I just do a big circle? Just a or big... Heart? I'll do a big heart. A heart is gorgeous. We're
0: on, a, we're on a roll here already.
1: All right, number okay. 49. Uh, what do you think people's first impressions of you are?
0: Oh, God. It's so interesting you asked me this because I was, my friend Jude is a creative coach and she asked me recently, just just as an experiment, to write a letter about, um, in third person about what it's like to meet me or know me, which was kind of scary. <laughs> Um, I think people think I'm really confident. Mm. I think people think that I'm really uh, that I. I also have this worry. I think that people think that I, I that I feel like I'm a know-it-all when I'm really not. I, I um There's always like a. I think I'm realizing as I've gotten older that it's probably for everyone the same feeling, except I'm going to talk about it now. Where I, I think that uh, there's an underlying. Uh, doubt at all times and sometimes the doubt wins and therefore you have a little bit of anxiety or you catastrophize so you'll be in a a situation where I might seem like I'm all over it and I'm grand when actually there's a little bit of uh, not even a little bit sometimes there's quite a lot of self-doubt about for example like in a performance or In a rehearsal process which i think most of the time that kind of stuff comes up because you're learning to make something that isn't you for mostly or you're getting to know a new bunch of people or trying to get it right which is ridiculous because you should be trying to get it wrong before you get it right Mm -hmm. in, in in when you're making a character but uh yeah so back to the question i think people think i'm really confident but then i also think they think i'm a bit mad at times so I have this it's really good question because I have this this like dichotomy in my head so one person I think some people meet like this confident I think bubbly person mm-hmm. who seems at ease and is uh, quite articulate and knows what they want and uh, might have a bit too much confidence so like a like too sure of themselves and then that's a very Irish person of me saying that I'm um, judging myself and then the other one People get to see that a very vulnerable person who's not afraid to uh, talk about their fears. And I think I talk about them too much sometimes. I think I'm fine trying to find a balance where I don't splurge my fears on a table as quickly. I, I'm learning to deal with that, those sometimes ill-founded fears because a lot of the time we worry about stuff that isn't really a problem. Right. And I'm learning that, like, I have this type of personality who is hypervigilant. I did a personality test. I've done all the stuff. I'm so prepared for this. Um, a hypervigilant personality, uh, it's a dominant part of me. And it, you can it's like you've wired your brain over time, depending on, like, your natural personality, your circumstances, your conditioning, all that. So it means that I just panic a lot. I worry. So I'll worry a lot more than maybe someone else about little things or, you know, like plugging things out in the house or worrying that, that that uh, you know, someone the way someone spoke to me means that actually I'm going to get a really difficult phone call later to say I didn't get that job or that they don't like. You know what I mean? Like mm. all that kind of crazy human stuff that's bigger for me maybe than someone else. What I'm trying to do is rewire my brain so that I don't think like that as often. Yeah. And you can't. And so I think I'm interested actually don't really want to know <laughs> what people what people think when they meet me first i
1: think you've got a pretty accurate like if i like i, I, I probably i don't know when i would have met you like maybe 18 months two yeah, years ago two back at the ballpark yeah. but like uh, but yeah i think you do come across like that i think you come across very well like put together do you know what i mean yeah like as in like in the way you interact with the world like certainly like intelligent and articulate but also like i think like that'd be to like ignore like there's like There's, like, an openness or, like, a warmth or, like, a kindness that I think I got. Like, I was very much, like, I never... Some, sometimes I get like intimidated by people do, does that make yeah. sense
0: oh god yeah I'm with you on that one yeah and I,
1: I, I didn't like and especially people in the industry who you've like seen and like whose work you you would have admired and stuff which you, you would have been but I, I didn't feel like a, a distance do you know what I mean yeah. Which you think is a nice thing oh
0: good I'm, go- I'm glad that, that that's, that's what's coming out because that's how I feel that's who I want to be yeah I don't and I also want to start being a bit prouder of who I am because that's helpful for other people because if I'm unsure of myself, it actually creates a difficult environment for people to be in. Yeah, you know, um, and I think having nieces and nephews who are really young, and um, and I and I have nieces and nephews who are a bit older, so I've I've experienced them as small children too. But I'm older now, so I have a bit more awareness. I, I owe it to them to be a little more assured mm. and and proud of myself mm-hmm. because. We, we berate ourselves a lot and we think the minute we celebrate ourselves that we're obnoxious and actually there's something really wonderful about being around people who are really confident in what they are and what they want to be and yeah, it's a little struggle. Okay, It's a struggle daily for yeah. me and I'm not afraid to say that. It's a, it's a daily struggle of trying to to not give myself a hard time, really.
1: And what does that rewiring process look like on a day-to-day basis for you?
0: And I, I, I'm i out of the habit a little bit, to be honest, but basically, another friend of mine, another actress called Amy McAllister, talked about the plasticity of the brain, and we, we were really close friends, so we talk about this stuff a lot, and I know I have our own personal experiences of it, but she was talking about how she read this book about your brain, for example, this is really interesting to me anyway, Is that they the experiment was they took a group of people I forgive me I don't know the number and I'm sure it was a a great uh, array of people Mm. who had never played I think table tennis before and what they did was they photographed their brain or whatever that means whatever the technical term is and they taught half of this this group this study to play table tennis really well and then they didn't teach the other half and then they came back. And they photographed their brains again. The people who had learned table tennis really well, or ping pong, or whatever it was, mm. had f- their brain itself, the actual mass of brain, had changed in shape in a certain area. The part I imagine which was learning and coordination had physically changed. So, it had a gained, I think, mass or reduced mass, whatever it means. Mm. So, the concept is that you can, there are the thoughts and the, the habits we have, our patterns in our brain, we can actually change physically change the pattern so the road less traveled might be a healthier road to go down for for me that might be less berate self-beration yeah like stop giving myself a hard time stop being so anxious stop isn't a great word you're trying to find positive verbs when you talk about this stuff yeah but to get better at being um happy actually yeah and to be uh to be confident about your confidence mm-hmm. and the minute i start or the sec the millisecond i start to go they look at me do they not like me I go I can't do anything about that and just have a second to go oh that's hypervigilance and that in itself is proven the studies have proven that knowing that that's what that is is another way of changing the neural pathway and okay. changing how you feel about things over a, over a process over a certain amount of time Yeah, and it means that um, Jesus God I hope it means that uh, <laughs> I become less anxious about certain things
1: Okay, yeah, and so correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, you would strike me as someone who loves working and loves to be yeah. working and, like, is focused on, you know, your career. So in them moments then where things aren't going to plan or in those, like, weeks or yeah. months, whatever it might be, where you're not working, yeah. how, how do you go about ensuring that you're happy then?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. And I think we've talked about it off, off air, like, where I do this little thing now where I... It's funny, isn't it? Because even talking about that stuff makes you go, oh, Jesus Christ. Right. You know, you're, you feel a little cold sweat. Okay. As someone who has worked, not worked for a long periods of time, I, g- I should be used to it now. Yeah. It's been a busy time, and it looks like it's going to continue to be a busy time, but it's, it's... I say this to a lot of actors who I can almost tell immediately that they're having a hard time. And I think most people can, you know, Mm -hmm. because and they're not carrying it around. It's not a a problem. It's actually a really lovely thing that they're able to go. It's a bit bit tough. (laughs) I haven't had an audition in a few months or I haven't, you know, done a voiceover in six months or I don't really know if I'm, you know, my headshots need to be updated and stuff. And I can't really afford it. And you just have to go, right, Okay. the little trick is write a list of what you want. I say this to my sister who's self-employed. She's not in this industry, but she's a cake designer. And I can see she's overwhelmed by, she's doing really well, but she's actually not taking a moment to accept that she is. Mm. I feel like writing down what you want makes you realize what you have already. Yeah. And I say this to people, it sounds so easy. And I could actually getting into a zone or even physically into a place by a table with a book or a notebook or a piece of paper and a pen, I would say even to people to be ritualistic about it, like find their favorite notebook or buy something and sit down and write what you want from, from life and actually does something really special. I think what it does is it gives you a bit of ownership over the path that you want to be on. Instead of feeling like someone else is dictating what you are or what you want to be, you kind of go, right, okay, that's what I want. I can't describe the feeling where it d- when you write down what you want to do, it almost feels like you're lifting a huge amount of stress off yourself because then you own it. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the time I think what's happening is when you're in that panicky place where you're not working at the moment or you're not getting auditions, you feel. You feel discombobulated, you feel a little bit like you can't really figure out what you want to do and um, you're not sure why you feel like that you think it's because you haven't got auditions. When you write it down, you realize, oh no, I'm not getting the right kinds of auditions, or I'm not having the right kind of conversation with my agent, or I mean, I need a new agent, or I need an agent, or I don't want just any agent. So you start to put yourself first a little bit, and have a bit of ownership over something that feels completely out of your hands. Mm. It doesn't. It sounds a bit arty-farty, but for me, it works. And I, I know a lot of actors, actors who are much more successful than me, than me now, I do it. Mm. You know, people I've worked with who are the f- the famous people on the set or the famous people in, in the show. Yeah. Uh, they do it. So it's some. there's a the common denominator in those people and I think it is owning it. So
1: yeah. Love it. Yeah. All right, so let's give it a spin.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: here we go. Number 12. Do you have it?
0: No, I don't have it, Tom.
1: Okay, no worries. Um, number 12. Do you ever wish you were born as the opposite gender?
0: No, I actually don't. I thought about this recently. Like I, it's a really fun thing to do actually to go because someone said to me, uh, "Play that part as a man." Like you know, in a rehearsal process, like do it as a man, and you realize, "Oh God, what does that really mean?" And then like don't think about it too much, and you just do it as a man. And it's a little more free. It's a little more like there's a bit more body being spread across surfaces. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a lot less apology about uh, about being in the room. Uh, but I think it's exciting to be a woman now, and. Uh I, I actually if I'm completely honest with you, I love men. So I feel like if I were a man, I'd be missing out on having that dynamic with a man that I have now. And like it makes you sound like I love men. Yeah. It's all, it's all it's not about it's not always it's, it's definitely like a very small part of it is sexual and that's very rare actually. Mm. It's just the um the I mean I have five brothers, so I kind of have a I have a lot of there's a lot of people I grew up with unwittingly like I was surrounded by men a lot for years until I was eight or nine there was no other girls in our family Mm. and it was just me my mum and all these men and uh, all different kinds of men and one of my brothers is gay so there's like he's gone through his own journey as a man to answer your question in a convoluted way (laughs) which I seem to do yeah (laughs) oh god you can't shut me up is um, I am very happy to be a woman
1: yeah good. I love that All right, sweet let's give it a spin (laughs) Uh here we go. Number 53. Do you have it?
0: No, I 51.
1: Oh, close. No. Do you have an obsessive personality? Uh
0: no. I think uh stereotypically if you were going to I don't even what does that mean? Let me ask you what that means first. Yeah, I
1: mean uh I think it can mean like an addictive personality? Okay. Is that the same thing? Like it are you a creature of habit routine? Do you like that kind of thing? I guess it's all that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah. Obsessive. Uh, there's a small bit of it there, yeah. Definitely. I think it comes from being self-employed. Yeah. A lot of the time, you have to be a little bit on top of things. Otherwise, like I said earlier, you get feel a little bit like you have no say in your life. Mm. So that does probably create an obsessive part of me. I'm a bit obsessive about t- switching things off for really house. <laughs> <that. laughs> like, I will press the front door a few times because our because our front door has a history of not being closed properly and people think it is and i've come home at two o'clock in the morning and the front door is open you know because someone in the house thought it was closed so there's that like okay. in my defense okay? yeah. yeah 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 that's <laughs> rational um but i have a bit of that going on and i definitely um have been obsessive about things but that comes with anxiety i think and anxiety shows itself in different ways and in me um it becomes slightly depressive um and the heart rates go up, and I do feel exhausted by it. But I don't know if it really creates obsessiveness in me. It actually probably makes a, creates a passiveness in me mm-hmm. where I feel exhausted by it. So I'm not as concerned about detail. But um, I, am ha- I have graphic design uh, in my skill set. Right. It's a big sentence. I'm promising a lot with that one but I've done a lot of artwork.ing is technically what I've done I worked for Debenham's uh, head office in London for on and off for years you know freelancing a lot of the time as an actor as well after drama school and you I was working with the graphic designer so I did some design did a lot of artwork,ing which is basically supports the graphic design team so what it does is it creates when you're working for a corporate place like that you have to go by design rules which is great because it means that you get really good at Photoshop, which is great in our work mm-hmm. because I can just pull that one out of the bag if I need it, um, and you have to be precise and concise because you're not just doing this for the crack. It has to be put on a website or in a piece of print. So I'm a bit obsessive about like lines and and order, and I, and I like I'm um, I think I get it from my mom where I love changing the environment I'm in. Mm. I love. Uh, I, I do come from quite an arty family. Now there's two designers, um, myself who is a designer uh, somewhere in my mix, um, uh, my sister's really amazing sculptor, and my other brother is incredible at interior stuff. So he's constantly my brother's a carpenter. So there's a lot of, I think we grew up with this it's not a big deal just suddenly like change the color of your living room and do it yourself. Mm. So I get a bit obsessive about that stuff.
1: Right. Like what's your like relationship to your like bedroom and how you have it kept? Okay, that's a good
0: question because I live in Stony Batter and the houses aren't huge and um uh, I have I have to live there and the, and the rent's decent enough at the moment. But the house is 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 so lovely. It's got a great vibe but you, you, know, your room is more important than it would be if you were living in your own house. Yeah. If you know what I mean? It feels like you're a bit like a teenager there at places. So recently, I, I paired it back. So I took, I realised I had put everything I'd had in London in my room and I was like, there's something claustrophobic about this. So I just took, I, I was at peace with taking some of the photographs of my loved ones off the wall, putting them in boxes and going, you will have, you will be on a wall again someday. It's just that in my own house maybe that I might own or be in by myself. Mm. And, um, so I bought like my favourite films poster, *Lives of Others*, okay. the German film. Uh, it's one of my favourites anyway, and I got this lovely abstract version of one. Put that on the wall, cleared it away, painted a bit of the wall, repainted some of the furniture so it's really white, and I have it's such a better it's it's a way better feng shui. I And I also wanted to see all my clothes because. Um, I spent money on them mm. and I bought a hardcore, you know, the rails you see in the theatres and in, in on film sets, mm. like the really heavy duty ones. I bought one, it wasn't expensive, it was like 55 euro or something, yeah. had it delivered to the house, got rid of all the stuff that was holding my clothes before, gave it away um, to people who hopefully are using it and just all my cl- my clothes are like the feature now in the room. Yeah. So I've kind of like, I think subconsciously or maybe even consciously sent all of the attention into the corner where all my colourful clothes are great i love that topic you know i could talk about that all day <laughs> Yeah, yeah love, yeah. love design and, and and i don't know enough about it at all yeah but it's genuinely like stirs something in me and i think most people have to live like where they live so yeah it's a big thing you know yeah yeah, yeah. it's yeah.
1: important I, unfortunately you're in the wrong podcast to talk about design <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay here we go number nine do you have it no no worries number nine question is uh, in your industry who is a person that you haven't worked with yet and you would love to Jervlacroty, that was fast. Yeah, <laughs> good. She
0: sent me pictures recently of herself um, when she was uh, my age, yeah, or maybe a bit younger, and she uh, we look really like in the pictures. They're very specifically like the hairdo. They're 1920s. And I did Great Gatsby last year in the gate. And my hair was done uh, for the year, like the early 20s. And so it's that kind of curl, that roll. And Dervila's hair is the same. And she just kept sending them to me going, I keep finding pictures of you, basically. And I had, I have this little, little like deal with the universe. Dervila's somehow aware of it because we've talked about it where the universe has to create a job where I play a relative of Dervila there you go. And Ru- Ruth McGill, I'm working with Ruth McGill at the moment, and she's really good at impressions. And she does this really great, lovely. And she's gonna kill me for saying this, but she's worked with Dervla, and Dervla is the most memorable person. She's so gorgeous and like gregarious and intelligent and owns it, you know. And um, and I think she's probably my my spirit animal. So Ru- Ruth does her voice sometimes, and it's really exact and warm and confident you know and I think uh, I probably just want to be Derby Bacardi yeah okay
1: (laughs) amazing right all right here we go number 24 do you have it yes I do wow you're doing pretty good considering like we've been having the chats you know what I mean oh
0: Jesus I'd never shut up would you just shut me up no no there's my insecurity coming in now (laughs) I'm talking too much I'm too confident
1: no 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 hey (laughs) it's great it's great um okay this is this is a good one speaking of that subject uh 24 what is your definition of success for yourself
0: it is for me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, that's a really good question, considering what we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. For me, it will be um, working in London, Dublin, being based in Ireland, in or around Dublin, that might even consider where I'm from, Louth, like living in Louth, mm. you know, like having that place where I go, oh, I'm home, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And. Because I don't think that could be London long term. Mm-hmm. I haven't been there for years. I don't think it could be London. It might be different. So basically, long story short, London, Dublin, New York, L.A. L.A. I'm not too fussed about. I mm. think it comes with the territory, but we're finding a way in Europe to have our own cinema and our own industry. And, uh, you know, even though the Oscars keeps calling like some of the best films i will ever see as like the foreign film, <laughs> it's mental. But um, I think there's a uh, there's a way of 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 existing um and not having to be in LA to be the superstar. I don't. I not don't necessarily want to be a superstar uh, by any means, but I really love the idea of being more international, and that is a recent thing. Mm. Uh, I've only. Bec- I think I'm. C- I'm at peace with that now. Yeah, it was a little bit of, I I get quite. I get quite panicky at the idea of having to be away from my family for too long, mm-hmm. and <coughs> I realize that's coming from uh feeling left out and actually it comes from wanting the pressures of thinking i have to settle down and have kids and stuff and i only realized that recently and mm. i'm like oh no I, I could live in all these places so if i were successful that's what it is for me i think mm. yeah yeah interesting still work i'm still working it out yeah I don't Know for sure
1: and what was the thing that that um that made you I obviously yeah i, I completely hear the family thing and the, the pressure for for kids and that sort of um stuff mm. what was the thing that like and that clicked for you when you were like well as well as that it's also like the international thing and and that is it like a thing of a broader reach for your art or well, I
0: think actually it's because you can't do all the jobs in Ireland and Ireland will get tired of you and but it, it or it needs a break from you for some for a period of time you know mm. and i fortunately I run a company red Bear productions with Tracy Martin and i think she is a hugely talented writer and she's only getting better and better and better and and has ambition and has almost sat with that now too. And has recently gone, I I want to make films that more people see. Mm. And I want to make theatre that more people see. I think that's what it is. Right. And I think it's about learning more. And I c- most people, most actors anyway, and people that we work with in the industry, want to keep learning. And I, I think they should want to keep learning actually because then, then they can really criti- critique themselves a bit more mm-hmm. and make better work. So yeah, I'd love to just like... Have the adventures, have the crack, go to London, do a show. Yes, yeah. just, just say in universe, um, go to. And I'm not saying right now, but you know, eventually. Yeah. I think most people do. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I, I completely. I, I would speak. I'm sure you feel the I same. I feel. Way. I feel really yeah. similarly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. like you have that, you have that very strong actor thing where you're also. I think you're both, actor and musical theater actor. In my head, mm. so you could like, clean up in New York just saying
1: yeah you see it's funny that's something that doesn't interest me like artistically very much like yeah. even there was something like a friend was like hey you know they're casting like this big Lame Is tour yeah. and I was like yeah but that's like two and a half years like doing that show yeah. in, like regionally that's
0: cool I think that's a really cool um, really healthy way to look at your career when you're a young actor
1: yeah I was just like I don't think that would I like that <laughs> That and when I was younger I used to think that I wanted to do that because yeah. like singing was the first thing that came for me yeah. Um but then, but yeah, like, me. no, you're fine. Go, but going forward now, like, if I was being honest, I think that there would be. I think that would, like, fulfill, like, a need to perform and loads of stuff like that. But I, I think that I would take that for granted very quickly and be like, yeah, but what else? Like, yeah. that would. I w- I, w- I wonder would would a, would a gig like that feel very very much like an a nine to five You know what I mean Yeah, and I think that's what's so gorgeous as you said about like the variety and the shortness of the work we do Like it kind of always feels like your first day of school or if not yeah. like you're only it's about like six weeks away from kind of it Terrifying yeah. and then like it's it's all it's all the things yeah. You know what I mean And I don't know what I'd be willing to trade yeah. like the good and the bad yeah. of that for like the security of something like that Well, I,
0: I mean, know. yeah, like like some people they their their bigger picture means that. Wow, if I did two and a half years of them is, I can prove I can do two and a half years of a show, mm. and I can be the leading man or the leading lady, or whatever it is. And or or like a friend of mine, he does this thing sometimes where he says priority this year is money, and he's like, I don't like that it is, but it has to be because mm-hmm. I've got two kids and a wife in London, and I want to give them the life I want to have with them. So like good schools, whatever it is for him, right? Mm. So he just wrote it down as on his universe list and his you know manifesting. And he got a job that he wouldn't artistically celebrate necessarily in the same way he would another job. Right. But he's at peace with that because he got the money thing. And I think something like the Lay Miz Tour would be, as an example, would be the money thing. 100%. And you might find that in a year, actually, do you know what? I want the money thing. And then what's really great about what we do is that, thank God for technology because you can keep making other things. And I think what might happen in those situations is that you end up making something with people you're working with every day and because you're kind of, you know, a bit over the show at that point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you see, that'd
1: be great if, if that was... Yeah, look
0: at me trying to, path. you know, draw out your path for you. Yeah. Um, But I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Like you have, to, I, I would be similar. I think I would, might go a bit mad if I was doing the same thing. Yeah. For a long period of time.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's just I think uh, yeah, I'm in a, in a place now where I'm just kind of like, you know, want to have like a little bit more like like integrity is just a word I'm like thinking about more mm. and more in like life, you know, mm. and trying to just cuz that's fucking important and yeah. it it's actually something that you can control. It, it, you know, and I'm I'm it's something that I'm trying to like have more integrity over like the kind of stuff that I want to do cuz you y- everything as you said everything is like and never uh, like an evolution. And I guess if if I have a word for this year, it's probably like integrity. Now, like, a good word. Yeah, yeah. To, to be to be able to like and and like mm-hmm. that. That doesn't mean that it has to be like high art necessarily. It just has to be like like that's what I want to do now. Like, yeah. and I, you know, what you can tell. Do yeah. I really want to do that now? Yeah. And before I've been like, I oh, fuck, it, I'll do it because it's yeah. there. And now I'm trying to be like, no, like I, you I know, don't.
0: Yeah, because jobs can rob you of, a, of of actually your confidence a little bit. Yeah. Even if you do a really good version of that job. You know, as in, like you're you're the best you can be in that in that environment or in that role or whatever. Um, and I'm very fortunate; I've never really been in that position, but I'm aware of them creeping in. Not not now, mm. but you know, I'm aware that they 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 happen. Mm-hmm. And like, you have a conversation with my agent about, do I really want to do that? Mm-hmm. Is that something? And fortunately, um, our agent mm. is really really articulate about the industry and knows the path pathway and can see things maybe before you can and yeah, and has a way of. Um, Of making sense of what can feel a bit like, should I take it? Well, you don't have to. And it's such a lovely gift for someone to say, you don't have to do anything. Yeah. Whereas I've been in situations where people go, you're so lucky you're being offered this stuff. And you're like, I don't really want to do it though. Yeah. And your gut is a powerful thing. Like... I think.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I, I, I'm so excited because I literally like just moved and kind of have been working up to this point. So this is like my first time when like we're kind of getting to like start to go in for, like more like, our yeah. agent like yeah. Maureen and Eleanor and they're brilliant. But like I'm really excited to like explore that like relationship because yeah. it's kind of like just starting out. It's
0: kind of it's kind of amazing and you always feel like when you're having those serious chats it's... Um it's one of the reasons i think they've 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 done so well and for such a long time is because they're they really put the actor first mm. and in an industry where we can get exploited quite easily and we don't realize it until it's too late they're a bit of ahead they're ahead of it you know and for the most part our industry in ireland people don't want to exploit you but mm. you know there's always a risk that people are you know, and especially in the theater scene, it's not like I don't think it's like that. But you know, like bigger bigger films come in, and they film here and TV shows and stuff, and they're all over looking after what you want, mm-hmm. which is lovely.
1: Which is yes, yeah, nice of yeah. right? Think you have time for one more spin? Oh God. So let's do it. Are you okay? Yeah, totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. <coughs> oh well, two came out. We'll see how we go. Right, uh, first one that came out was number twenty. Do you have it? No. Okay, no worries. <coughs> number twenty. Um, the question is... Oh, well, yeah, this kind of come up as well, but have you or do you ever consider emigrating? So you you went and studied...
0: Yeah, like, I went to Maynooth University, and then I studied French and sociology and anthropology in first year. Just hit your mic. <laughs> um, And loved those subjects. But I only, I only realised I wanted to be an actor when I was, like, 22, mm. 23. And I didn't even really say it too loud because it was crazy shit to be saying that. I was going out with an actor for a few years at the time who had gone to Lambda and had just graduated and we were living together in London and I think he <laughs> wanted to kill me when I told him I wanted to do an, a- an actor. But I'd done shows in the Drama Sock and I'd done my diploma in speech and drama. Yeah, I'd done really well in the diploma, especially in the acting bit. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't really thought of myself as a decent actor at all. I just knew that I liked it and I loved that, Just here's a wanker alert, telling stories. Mm-hmm. you know. But I did, I loved it. And I love working with people in that environment and... And uh, I realized I wanted to learn more and I wanted to feel empowered going into uh, into the industry. So I auditioned for a few schools, thankfully got accepted to a couple, but it was too expensive. But I got a scholarship to go to Oxford School of Drama and I went there and that was wonderful. And it was the right kind of training for me. And then I lived in London for a few years after that. So I lived in London for two years prior to training um, and, you know, got a taste of the industry through my boyfriend at the time, and um, w- I knew how scary it could be, I knew how unsettling it was, and I also knew how wonderful it could be. And I trained, and then I spent another two years in London, and I, that was six years in total in London. Mm. Wow, yeah. Yeah, so it's a significant amount of time. I, you know, my fear was, because I I, I was single then, Um, but by the time I was finished drama school really, I had this fear that I'd end up falling in love with an English person and then have to stay because that's kind of like the unwritten rule. Like yeah. you, you, it happened on our territory. This is where we're staying, and I was like, I can't stay here. And it was one of the best decisions I ever made. It was like four years ago, moving home. Mm. You know, and just just getting my shit together in Ireland and having faith that. We see when you have your family around and you didn't have them around, you realize and your best met mates you grew up with you realise that you can do anything because it's okay mm. if you fail, mm-hmm. you know? Mm. And when I was in London, I felt a little bit like out in the abyss.
1: It's interesting, you know? yeah.
0: But I think it would be a different place for me now. Yeah. And it's not like that for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just how it was for me.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's funny. I think about it like a, a lot, but kind of like what we were saying earlier, I think we said it's off mic, but it's like, you know, You I think you've got to be, like tactful about when you want to want to l- look at God and you don't have to be but like I certainly like feel like it's not right to go right now but maybe in it will be in a year or three years or five years yeah. and maybe it never will be and that'll be okay as well
0: yeah, and maybe you'll work there and you don't live there yeah like, in the same way you live here yeah like you don't my fear is that someone wants me to move over for six months and wait for them to get me meetings I'm speaking about agents and stuff yeah I just don't think I want to do that yeah I don't think I want to wait around I think I want to go from here to a job you know that's the dream and have an identity as an actor there not as something else mm-hmm. but loads of people need to do it because it's really good for them as actors or directors or writers to go there and I, i've done it so i've done it yeah but some people it i see them flourish and they are doing the other job they're wait- waitressing or waitering or you know whatever they need they want to do and they're doing it Bloody good job of being in London. Yeah, and they're doing really well. Like loads yeah. of people I know. Yeah, I know. Um, it's just that I'm I've no interest in it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you
0: know, at the moment.
1: Great. Do you have time for one more? Yeah. Okay, cool. One popped out, so we'll, we'll do it and we'll finish up then. Yeah. Um. Okay. Last one, number thirty. Do you have it? No. Okay. No worries. Um. <coughs> number thirty. Uh. Question is, where are we? Number thirty. Um. The question is, uh, do you believe in love at first sight? <laughs> Got a nice yes, one. Yes, I end do. On. I think. Do you?
0: Um. I've I picked that apart a little bit because I've definitely been in love. And I love saying that, actually, because I feel like, oh, I've done it. Um, Yeah. But um, I believe in chemistry at first sight, which is a big part of what creates, I think, potentially a good long-term relationship. Mm. Um, And it's exciting and all that stuff. It kind of panics me, actually, to be honest with you. But I definitely, I was with someone for a few years, a good few years, where we would acknowledge... Not Like, now it's grand. Like, we're not close friends, but we're, you know, su- quietly from afar, supporters of each other's work kind mm. of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think we'd both agree that it wasn't as exciting to have love at first sight there because it was a quick thing. I think we started officially going out the next day or something. Right. And we were together for four years uh, or something like that. And, and, um, I can't even remember how long it was now. Yeah. But um, I think it was proof that, yeah, it can happen that way. Um, But what's more interesting to me at the moment is that uh, what kinds of people i would fall in love with Mm. and the at a base level which is more exciting is that sometimes you have no say in what's physically working so like um you know i you meet someone and you're like whoa i can't really ignore the fact that i like the smell of that person right and it's not their smell Mm -hmm. you know what i mean someone said that to me this person i won't say who it is um he, he said to me it's your smell and i was like i don't know how to describe it but i understand because i'm the same and that's very hard to um ignore Mm -hmm. but then the actual fact is we live in this world and you have to create a relationship around that that's a challenge sometimes yeah you know what i mean so you can have the thing and then you have to work at the other thing yeah and if you're not ready to work at the other thing it doesn't work
1: so what happens then like because i have to imagine then like love at first sight yes okay well we're saying that that does exist when that doesn't exist in this instant and like but you are in a relationship with someone is it then that trusting that well like love can develop long after the first sight
0: do you mean like people who get together and they you know it's not like uh bold to the well for example
1: harsh. like every person like I, I i don't know how many people you've been in love with and you don't need to say yeah. but like however many people you've been in love with were all of them at first sight
0: uh Really? Mm, you yeah. just knew? Yeah. Fascinating. Mm. Yeah. Because I've been with people I've loved, I think, but I don't know if I was in love with them. Yeah. That's really cruel because those people are great. But, um, and people have probably been the same with me. And exactly, I've probably yeah. maybe been in love with them and they haven't been in love with me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm sure that's happened. Um, But I mean, that makes sense. Like, I have a long, <laughs> long arm of, like, and I really don't. It's very, 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 very minute, actually. Mm. Um, But yeah, I think... Um, I think I'm also a go-getter a little bit. Mm-hmm. So if I see something and I want it, I don't make it clear to the world, but I have like a, okay, I want to see if I can. And mm-hmm. I'll get over it if it doesn't work. But mostly I'll be like, okay. But also you kind of know, I think most human beings can measure their their compatibility, even like because they say, you know, you go for someone who's the same level of attractiveness as you, or they have a similar kind of, culture or whatever it is i don't know or your cultures you know communicate well together or mm. whatever and um yeah so you like you'll know how what your chances are you know what i mean yeah it's like if i meant like the best looking man in the world it's very unlikely that we're going to get together because you know what i mean I would be like whoa okay so we're not going to be you know i can't even think of anyone particularly but like there's a an array of them across instagram and you would yeah. just be like mostly i don't really fancy those kinds of people but um but it's interesting to see how humans kind of click. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. a thing. It's the click thing, isn't it? It's yeah. like you go, oh, okay. Oh, I I can't really ignore that that's really. And I think it's so rare. It's like the rarest thing in the world, which is a terrible thing because you can't get it very easily. But it's also kind of magic. For that know same know? reason. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that it's rare. What's rare is wonderful, yeah. Yeah, well, I love what it's rare, but it's a pain in the arse. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. you're yeah. like, nope, no, not this one, not this one, not this one. <laughs> yeah every yeah makes me sound like I'm doing the rounds I'm not
1: <laughs> yeah well hey it's been rare and wonderful to chat to you because we should you. do it more often every time I talk to you like yes I really like Aileen she's great uh, so oh my god! thanks for doing it come here and um, tell everyone just about uh, assassins what's going on I know you have some things probably lined up that we can't talk about but um but we can't talk about assassins at something assassins,
0: right now yeah at the gate theatre it's running until the June, June 9th I play Sarah Jane Moore I wear a padding body padding yes. an augmentation suit I've started calling it because I hate the other word the people use for it mm. um and a wig which 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 is both new for me. I haven't had to wear... Well, I've had hair put on my hair, like, you know, added to my hair, but I haven't had to wear a wig on stage and I shoot real guns and stuff. And actually, to be honest with you, Sondheim is such a... Like, you know this more than most people, Sondheim is such a difficult, uh, exciting, challenging uh, musical writer, you know, both in lyrics and in, in, in the actual music. The actual music is mental. Yeah, Like I sing a part where I have to go like, you know the gun song? Mm-hmm. Sarah Jane Moore comes on stage and she's like, I got this really great gun. Mm-hmm. Shit, where is it? And it's like na 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 and then I have to belt it at the end of it and it has to be the right pitch and all the right... Oh God, it's absolutely mind-boggling. For me, let alone me, it will hopefully looks really easy for the audience to see but uh, the cast are incredible. The people I get to work with are cool. And Selena Cartmel directed it and it just looks... It looks kind of has this like and Sarah and Sarah Sarah Bacon's the designer mm. and it's just I, I love being in that set and I sometimes get to see it on the screen of what how, how some of the scenes are lit mm. and look and feel and it kind of looks like that kind of dark magic or something yeah. going on yeah. it's yeah, yeah. fun. I mean, it's a great show in itself. So hopefully, we're doing. G- I think we're doing a good job. Yeah, I know, one hundred percent. It's good fun. Yeah, Copy. and the reviews. Which yeah, see it. Yeah,
1: yeah. So get in and see it. Uh, Avon, thanks so much for doing Thank
0: it. Yeah, I feel like I've talked a lot about myself. That's a bit uncomfortable, actually. <laughs> and it's the
1: point. Thanks. And for usually,
0: I'm okay talking about myself. Yeah. Well, hey, look. <laughs> look it was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Thanks for being personality, bingo. Oh, So, guys, that was a brilliant Avian McCann playing personality bingo. Avian, a massive thank you to you for taking the time to do it. It was a really special episode. Really enjoyed the chats. And, um, yeah, I... uh anytime I sit down with Avian I always enjoy it so I need to do it without microphones next time but uh, what a pleasure to have her on the podcast she'd been someone I wanted to get on for ages so it was great to make it happen when we did uh, as I said next week we have the wonderful Paddy Murphy um, from the Facts channel, uh, from the Tri channel now, uh, he's also probably best known for his work on Rory Stories which is such a popular YouTube and Facebook page uh, he's also done his own podcast with Rory Stories so check out all that stuff in advance of Paddy's episode next week, uh, Paddy's a bit of a rock star he was also on First Dates Ireland, he's uh, he all that stuff he's just um such a charming lovely lovely endearing fella Uh, and i can't wait to bring you that episode two Uh, As always a few thank yous A massive thank you To the wonderful Erin Lindsay For mixing, editing And producing this podcast Erin is a rock star And she is She is why personality Bingo happens So a massive thank you to you Erin Also a huge thank you To Connor Nolan For the deadly artwork To Leah Moore And Anthony Manley For our wonderful theme music And as always A huge thank you To Paddy and Alan uh, At Headstuff um, For having us a part of the family Uh, It's such a great place to be And I'm very grateful to be here So lads Thank you Uh, Guys Please tune in next week When Patty Murphy plays Personality Bingo with Tom Morin.